Hi everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. If there's ever a parable to be confused about, it's probably this next one, according to Ryan. I actually read it and didn't feel that confused. But anyway, <laughs> today we're reading Luke. Wow. We're reading Luke chapter 16. And there are a couple of parables in it, specifically one that is talking about the shrewd or, um, is that the right word? Shrewd manager. Yeah, dishonest manager. Dishonest manager. That was the other word that was used. And then um, towards the end of the chapter, there's a little portion that would be um, on divorce. And then finally, we talk about the rich man and Lazarus. So lots about money today. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Um, some of the pitfalls of money as well as the benefits of using money for the kingdom. It's funny reading over this chapter. It is, I think it's a collection of some of the most odd sayings of Jesus. Like? Uh, well, I mean, for example, the the parable of the dishonest manager, and this is widely understood as like one of the more difficult parables to decode uh, because there is this man who is a dishonest manager and he is commended for the fact that he is a dishonest manager. So you would not expect Jesus to tell a story where the bad guy is like amazing. And this is not like in the good Samaritan sense where like it's somebody they perceive to be bad, but is actually great. This is like a guy that's actually bad. That's actually bad. Well, because it starts out that he is accused of wasting um, someone's possessions. Like he's he's not using money well. So he's showing dishonesty as well as being unwise with uh, finances to begin with. But later on, he tries to like gain back favor with people by using it wisely. And both of those instances gets translated for the way that the disciples should or should not use financial gain in their ministry. Yeah. Uh, There's a couple ways you can interpret this. So basically, like, just so you understand the story and always stick around and hear it for yourself or read it for yourself, um, this guy's in charge of somebody else's wealth. Mm -hmm. And he finds out he's going to be fired. So he goes to three different people and basically, like, cuts down how much they owe and then releases them. In order to gain, like, good graces with them. Something. Post his current job. So he acts quickly. He's very shrewd. But he cuts the debt and is potentially, like, stealing from his employer or costing his employer. And so that's what makes this so odd. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple ways to look at this. Um, one is that Jesus is just trying to make a point that this shrewd manager could see the times, understand the times, and acted quickly to bring resolution in favor of himself in light of the times. So the the takeaway would be like, you can see the kingdom of God coming, so you act quickly to come in line with what the kingdom of God requires so that you are found faithful. It seems like a little bit of a stretch, uh, but it is one view that like he acted quickly and he was commended for that. Another view is that he was forgiving the interest on the loans, which were not permitted by Jewish law in the first place. So that view would say this man, like the boss of this guy, was actually acting outside of God's law. And when this man is forgiving the interest that never should have been charged, he was honoring God's law and therefore was shrewd, but also commendable. 
Uh, another view is that this man is canceling his own commission to try to help people out. And because he has canceled his own commission that would have been due to himself, uh, he found favor with these other people and was able to secure a living space for himself when he became unemployed. So he was prepared, he was gracious, and he was found commendable. Uh, take your pick. I don't, I don't know. But I don't know if you tapped on this one at all, but mine seemed pretty straightforward. Okay. Um, another one I heard was just that he was wrong. So it was like not like the, Correct. the fact that he was being dishonest that is looked upon as like, oh, do this. But it said in my commentary that he was just he was trying to be careful and plan ahead. Yes. So that is like the idea for us, like to be, I don't know, with your finances to be prepared for like how you can give and like hand in hand with that is like the like not the dishonest part of this story he's supposed to be like ready to help so that would be use worldly wealth for the kingdom so it's like a hand in hand kind of thing that would be in line with the first view where he anticipated the need and acted quickly to handle it okay so i think i don't know that seems to make the most sense to me those other ones just kind of like it is fairly confusing. It It's pretty odd. It's not like these seed fell on good ground, bad ground, and kind of good ground. <laughs> like, you need roots. Like, it's not like that. It's like, okay, what does he mean? And then he Jesus launches into this command uh, that also I think sounds odd. I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into their eternal dwelling. So it's like, hey, use your money to make friends. Um also seems kind of weird i don't know though like because i we have known of and that maybe not super super well but we've known of like several christian people Mm -hmm. that are very well off Mm -hmm. Um, money is not a problem for them and they have used their wealth in a way that has been super helpful mm-hmm. to many missions that the Lord is or has placed in people's hearts or like, it's just incredible what has been able to happen because of that. Um, and I don't, it's funny because when I actually realized that these people are w- super well off after I'd met them, it was just like, I probably would never have guessed that. <laughs> so what's interesting about this concept is Jesus then goes on to say, you can't have two masters. Mm-hmm. And Jesus has mm-hmm. been making the case that he's only interested in people who will follow only him. It's not that long ago that he was saying, like, you have to hate your wife. You have to hate your kids. You have to hate your parents. You have to hate yourself to follow him. The idea is you must be sold out as a follower of Jesus. You may follow only Jesus. So here Jesus is saying, you you have two options for masters, money or Jesus. You can't serve both. Yeah. And so you must use your money to serve Jesus. Like wealth, it's going away. When you die, somebody else is getting your stuff. But your mm-hmm. soul will last eternally. So it's important that you use your money to support Jesus, the work of the ministry. And what he says specifically, you use unrighteous wealth to promote eternally meaningful things. And I think that concept flows right into this parable of the rich man 
and Lazarus. Mm -hmm. Because with the rich man and Lazarus, you have a rich man who has been known about, like he's been known to serve only himself. And you have Lazarus who has been very poor and to some degree, like must have had some kind of faith and some kind of hope in Christ because now he's at Abraham's side. What's interesting about the Lazarus story or parable is that at the end of it, after the the ruler realizes that he is bound for hell, he is like he was not just, he was not helpful to the man who needed it. Um, he's like, oh, please just send someone, send someone to tell me. And then in the story, he's just like, listen, you have the law, you have the prophets, you have Moses. If you don't believe those, nothing's going to save you. Uh, and I think there's a lot of similarities to the stories of the Gospels that we've been hearing, too, where everybody's, like, asking Jesus for a sign to prove that he is who he says he is. He's like, guys, listen, if you don't believe what the prophet said that I have literally come to fulfill, you have the sign of Jonah. I'm going to be raised in three days. Like, I'm not going to just stand here and be, like, this circus performer of all these things because nothing is going to satisfy what you're you're looking for if you don't already believe based on what has been prophesied. The the final line of Luke 16 is super ironic. He says, he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Mm. This is Jesus speaking. He is in fact going to rise from the dead. Yeah. And he's saying, if you've heard Moses and you've heard the prophets, and you don't accept them, it's not going to matter if somebody rises from the dead. Yeah, yeah. Which we know to be true. Because <laughs> so, they're like, wait, what is he even talking about? What's interesting is I think Jesus is making a case. Um, what we would call the Old Testament is all you need. All you need is the Old Testament to convince you who God is and how to be obedient to him. Now, we have the New Testament today, and it's very valuable to us. Um, but basically, Jesus is making the case. Like, if you read the whole Old Testament, you don't know who God is. You're not going to know who God is right. because you, like Jesus is revealed in the Old Testament. Um, we use both together, but it is interesting here how Jesus consistently upholds the law and the prophets mm -hmm. rather than tearing it down and throwing it out. So I think your part for today, I mean, the, the focus today is mostly on money. Um, I love that little line, like use your money to make friends. Um, oh that's probably like a twisted way of looking at it. I don't, I'm not going to tell you to use your money to make friends, but use your money to pursue things of eternal value. Yeah. And that is to some degree difficult to do. Like there's people who have a lot, there's people who have very little. Um, it is easy for me to see how, if you're not faithful with just a little bit, you're not going to be faithful with just a lot. Like oftentimes it's like, well, when I have a lot of money, then I'll support something of yeah, eternal value. Interesting, huh? Um, but it does seem to hold up. Like if you're not pursuing eternal value with very little, you're not going to all of a sudden have a change of heart when you have a lot. Yeah. So it's important to use our money, um, to build the kingdom, to invest in what God would ask us to invest in because those things last and everything else passes away. Like we live a totally different kind of life. We live with a totally different kind of focus. Mm -hmm. And so we are playing a long game and we want to see our money invested in things that support that long game and not just our consumeristic culture that tells you you need 15 different iPhones. <laughs> so we'll be back again tomorrow. We'll see you then.
Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan Your Part. Don't forget, it is always more important that you listen to God's words rather than our words. So please stick around to hear the reading for the day uh, or go and find it in the Bible and read it yourself. If you are enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and write a review on whatever platform you are using to listen to us. Now that we have all that out of the way, here is the reading for today. Luke chapter 16. He also said to the disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be a manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking my management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill, sit down, and quickly write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of the world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends of yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails they may receive you into their eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the righteous wealth, who will entrust you to true riches? And if you have not been faithful in which is another's, who will give you which is their own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The Pharisees, who were lovers of money, heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. And he said to them, You are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. The law and the prophets were until John. Since then the good news of the kingdom of God is preached, and everyone forces his way into it. But it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one dot of the law to become void. Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. There is a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried, and in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, 
in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.